This is Coda Radio, episode 486 for October 3rd, 2022. Hey, good buddy. Welcome into Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and the business, the software development, and the world of technology. Live from Sacramento, California, my name is Chris, and joining us, hopefully, from his place intact, it's our host, Mr. Dominic. Hello, Mike. What's up? I am not dead. No, the roof remains, eh? The roof remains, My and, and sadly, my backyard swimming pool, I don't have a swimming pool, but I did for about two days, <laughs> has receded back from whence it came. Thank you for all the well wishes. I tried to uh, keep folks updated who were asking, but it, you know, I, I was very lucky. So... Can we talk about the Popo real fast? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Tell me about it. I'm curious. I believe that the reason I did not lose power was because I am on the evacuation grid with the Popo and the emergency center. Oh, yeah. I used to live on a hospital grid. That is the best. Mm-hmm. They keep that. They don't care, right? So it was very, we were very fortunate. A lot of folks down here did. I took a walk this morning. I'm going to post them to Twitter. Um, there's like a footbridge right outside my house. A tree, two trees actually, literally crushed it. Wow. Like big, you know, I don't know what kind of trees. I'm not, you know. You're not a tree expert? <laughs> a treeologist? Yeah, I'm not an arborist or whatever that is. <laughs> but literally smashed it. So we got extremely lucky. It was some uh, intense stuff. And, you know, heart goes out to all the folks uh, over in Naples and, and Fort Myers who really got uh, yeah. shellacked. People worry, you know, because you're our Florida man on the on the JB Network. I am, and so- I am your Florida man. I mean, maybe it's time to, uh, I don't know, stop subsidizing crap that destroys the environment. <laughs> just saying, as a guy who just had to deal with this. Yeah, man. Oof. I don't have to deal with those kinds of storms, but I feel like once in my lifetime, I'll probably have to deal with a massive earthquake over here on the Pacific coast one day. I feel like that's worse. Yeah, probably. I think you're probably right. Yeah. You know, today is a, not only is it a special episode because you survived another Florida storm, but. It's also episode 486, and nice. I'm, I'm such a nerd. I have been waiting for episode 486 forever. <laughs> That's the number I can... This is your moment. This is my moment. And I just wanted to go back in time really briefly and and play a 486 commercial that really focused on the upgradability of the Intel 486. Oh, Lord. Want to run all your software fast? Then look for the Intel Inside symbol on your next computer. It says you've got a real power source on the inside. Like the upgradable Intel 486 microprocessor. Power it up and run your software. At light speed. Intel, the computer inside. Yeah, you got to get that 486 goodness, man. You got to have the 486. There was also a commercial at the time, and I wanted to play this because it is brilliant for the specs. Listen to the specs this guy rattles off about his fancy new PC he's buying in the early 90s. It's uh it's adorable. Got a Packard Bell for 86SX, 20 megahertz. I got a hard drive, 100 megabytes, 2 megs of memory. I got a wow. monitor, it's super VGA, and a printer, it's 24 pin. I got accessories and software like a Windows and Lotus Works. You put it all together just for 498. That's what it's all about. Yeah, man. Isn't that something? Super VGA. I don't know why that one caught me particularly, but... (laughs) 
100 megabyte hard drive. <laughs> 100 megabytes. That's a lot, dude. Yeah. Really... I know. One day you'll have that in your pocket. And one day that'll be what it costs to open CNN. Yeah, right. You know, that's why I just, I don't know, 486 is such a, I remember, I think in part, that was really when I came into like recognizing there was different processors and computers and that different processors were faster and started to pay attention a lot more during the 486 era. And I felt it was kind of appropriate that you found this uh, Aqua Emacs or Aquamax. Aquamax, baby. It looks like nope. it's from this era, man. They've updated the copyright on their project as of 2022. So I think they're still actually actively developing it. But the thing is like retro. Yeah. So so when I first started running Mac OS, I was uh, a budding Emacs user. And then I was quickly slapped around. We told the story a couple of weeks ago and picked up Vim. But this is the Emacs client I used. And the reason I'll put it in the show notes, because I, I forgot to do that this morning. But the reason I put it in is there is a pretty passionate Hacker News thread of Emacs users just saying, like, we're here. And I, I have to tell you, Chris, I've gotten the DMs. They are they are here. We see you. We love you. <laughs> we're not talking about this anymore. No Vim, no more Emacs. It's over. <laughs> unless, unless one of them ends or like, you know, like an Emacs contributor shoots a Vim contributor. Please don't do that. Or vice versa. Please don't do that. It's, uh, we get it. You're there. Respect. Check out Aquamax. I get it. You can live in Emacs. Check out Aquamax if you're on the Mac. The best part of Aquamax is it looks like Snow Leopard. So, yeah, it's that classic, you know, classic, classic Mac OS look. Oh, man. <laughs> I sincerely wish we had never mentioned Vim or Emacs on this show. Yeah. Yeah, that was a mistake. You know what else? It was also a mistake to admit that I was going to try a new Android ROM. Um, but Ooh. I'm here for it. I'm ready for it. Francis writes in and says, check out Calyx. You should check out Calyx OS or Calyx. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. C-A-L-Y-X. So Calyx OS. Oh, it sounds a lot like Calyx, though. Wait a minute. I like this. And uh, it's only for Pixel devices, I believe. It's an alternative to something like main Android or Graphene. They both have a similar niche, but Calyx or Calyx has a built-in firewall. I've been using it. I'm very happy. And Sasha wrote in and said, I recently got a Pixel 5 and I loaded up with Calyx OS and it's been great. Unlike Graphene, Calyx OS comes with Micro-G, which means I can still install Play Store apps via the Aurora Store app. They also use an app called Shelter. There's been some paper cuts, but so far they like it a lot. And uh, it's still a Google phone to some degree, but it's a better compromise. I, of course, put on Graphene OS on my Pixel device recently. So now that I've put on Graphene OS, I'm hearing from everybody that I should be using Calyx OS, which is exactly what happened back in the day when I used to put ROMs on my old Android devices. I would do it and then immediately be told by everybody that I used the wrong ROM when I should try out this totally different ROM. And it feels like I'm right back in that again. However, I do feel like perhaps... What it is, is that Graphene OS skews more towards the privacy conscious. And I think there's a spectrum here. And I think the Calyx folks are maybe more traditionally lineage type, lineage type folks that they want to, they want a lot of the functionality of their smartphone. They just want to be a little bit more removed from Google, where Graphene OS has taken some plumbing improvements. Like they're using SE Linux to sandbox Google Play and the Google Play services. So you can actually install Google Play services in the Google Play Store on Graphene OS, run them in a sandbox that prevents access outside of that sandbox, where on Calyx or Calyx or however you say it, they're using Micro-G, which is a port. It's a re-implementation of the Play API. And it's partially open source, I believe. And there is a aspect of it that runs highly privileged in the system app domain. 
like the regular play services. Whereas with Graphene OS, everything is sandboxed and they're running the play services at a lower privilege level that is enforced by SE Linux. So that's my big understanding of the two. But there is a whole underbelly here I scratched accidentally. There's a lot of people out there that are getting Pixel devices mm. and then they're reflashing them, which is just not what you'd expect, right? You'd think that's what people buy other devices for, but they're getting the flagship device and they're reflashing it. Well, kind of makes sense, right? There's no carrier nonsense on the Pixel if you buy it from Google, I think. Mm, right. Well, if you reflash it, it doesn't even matter. You wipe it out anyway. So, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I guess I could see that, right? It's probably one of the easier devices at this point. Because you used to have manufacturers that would make devices for that community, and they've kind of backed off from that. Hmm. And they're decent phones. So are you going to stick with it? I think I'll use Graphene for a while. I've been pretty happy now that I got the Play services on there. And you need the Play Store if any app has an in-app purchase, basically. Uh... You know? So that's where I got hung up. I, I, had an, I, had, I wanted to put Photosync on there. And to get access to the cloud services, I... I needed to pay for it. And so I was like, that started the whole process. And then if you have an eSIM, you need the play services to activate the eSIM too. Really? They basically hooked it into everything. Oh, really? yeah. Man. So that's okay. You know, we've kind of dropped the Android play services thread. But I remember years ago, we used to talk about how, mm-hmm. oh, no, they're putting more stuff in play services. So now it's like you want to activate your SIM? Got to have those play services. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And eSIMs are really taking off now. Yep. So I'm not a huge fan of that. I, I think Graphene OS is a little more secure, too, in the way it launches processes. So overall, it's like if you're trying to get away from Google, it seems like that's the way to go to me. And I am I think I'm missing something because Calyx obviously has a lot of people that like it. And I know the founder has a little bit of a celebrity around him for Calyx. And I think that might be playing a factor as well, but I can't quite tell. I'm such a noob to all of this that I'm kind of discovering it as I dive in. And then people tell me, oh, but did you try? Which is exactly what happens on Linux, you know? <laughs> Try Ubuntu? Oh, you better get Seuss. <laughs> Tell me about it. So so I have two side tangents here, because that's why we waste our time writing show notes. One, did you see, you probably didn't because you're on the road, that very quietly, very sneakily, Apple announced that they can no longer activate the data plan and you can no longer hot swap just through the iPad settings app on iPads? Oh, no, that was like a great feature. You got to go talk to those carriers. But that was great. I used to use it. So this is like, you know, back, do you remember the old days, Chris, when you could travel freely? Stay a while and listen. All all levels of Tristam, yeah. I used to take an iPad because no matter what, I could have connectivity. And if at the time I was a T-Mobile customer, and, you know, they were T-Mobile, I know they're better now. But if they suck, I would just do the one month, like $30 Verizon thing. And be like, whatever, I'll do Verizon while I'm in, you know, it's usually like Colorado or North Carolina, somewhere like that. And you could do it all from the settings app inside the, just right there. Right. So even if my phone, which had T-Mobile service, was crappy, well, I had this Verizon connection in a pinch if I had the tether or whatever. And I never had to talk to a, a sales rep. This was the key, right? And get locked into some other plan. Uh, those were the days. Yeah, that was nice. I'm sure it must have been carrier pressure over time. To get rid of that. Yeah, they feel like the carriers hated that. It's funny how those things quietly happen, because you're right, I had not seen that. Those yeah. Those turds. Yeah. Trying to sneak it in. That's probably all my thoughts on Graphene OS, because I'm still so new. I'm still trying to learn. So do let me know. I mean, it's getting to be a bit much, but I would like to know your thoughts on what I brought up today, coder.show slash contact, or you can boost it in. 
And then just a little PSA, our last meetup on this West Coast tour is happening the Friday that this episode goes out. So coming up on the 6th of October in Portland, we have our last meetup, meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting. And I'm heading home. Kind of sad, but also relieved from a technical standpoint. This road trip has been very hard, probably hard enough that this is the last road trip like this I'm ever going to do. So this is the end of an era in some ways. And the last meetup of that era, mm. uh, I'm going to come up with something else, but I think I'm done doing this format. And you know what? I thought this is going to be the one, Mike. I thought this would be road trip by the numbers because listener Jeff has been an MVP of this road trip. He set us up with a great parking spot at his place in Sacramento with power. And most importantly, of course, it's secure and it could be locked up while we went down to Pasadena and internet. He gave us ethernet. So I thought... Geez, this is going to be we're going to have a, we're going to be we're going to be stationary. I'm going to have ethernet connectivity, I'm going to have power hookups. What what could go wrong, right? Instead, I had multiple devices fail in the studio that I rely on. And then I had a software update here in the RV that happened in the background and changed the functionality of one of my applications so you could no longer select the input and output for audio devices, which was a fundamental feature that I used. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then, of course, we oh. had routing problems and all. It just has been it has been a nightmare, an absolute nightmare. So I think this is the last one I'm going to do. And I'll come up with a new I'll come up with a new way to get out and see folks in the future. So meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting for the last meetup on the West Coast Road Tour and probably the last meetup of this type of trip. I think that's just probably the way it's got to go. Just the way it is, as they say. And that uh, West Coast room will continue the West Coast crew at on our matrix server at bit.ly slash West Coast crew. That'll uh, remain. And as we figure out future events and stuff like that, we'll let people in the area know in there. So check that out too. Well, we all saw this one coming, but I think it still is worth mentioning and analyzing a little bit. Google has announced that they'll be winding down Stadia in January 2023. And TechCrunch wrote a piece, and I completely agree, that says Stadia died because no one trusts Google. They say it's that simple. It's uh, kind of like the writing was on the wall when Stadia launched. Google has exhibited such a poor understanding of what people want they write, what they need, and will pay for at this point that people are wary of investing in even its more popular products. I think you probably agree with that. I don't, actually. I mean... I, I do agree you shouldn't trust Google in terms of not killing <laughs> stuff. But I, I, I think there are just two fundamental flaws, kind of higher level. Have have you seen the state of high-speed internet in the U.S.? Yeah. Like, this is not a Stadia-specific problem. But until, you know, the dragon that is Comcast and all the other ISPs are somehow forced to be dumb pipes where this is all, you know, made into a utility, a la municipal uh, Fios, effectively, right, fiber optics, I don't think folks outside the U.S., particularly folks who have better internet like South Korea and much of Europe, can really understand just how shitty the situation is here. I'm pretty lucky that I live in a place where, for some insane reason, Verizon used to be here and laid a fiber optic line, and now some company called Frontier is happy to sell it to me. But they're not making more. We've talked about it before, but this is a huge problem, right? The city of New York paid Verizon, and I'm not just picking on Verizon, but they're a easy target to fiber up all of new york city and verizon just like didn't do it right it just turned out that it's too hard too much money and there's lots of arguments about regulations and 
why does it cost you know to build a mile of road in the u.s is like five times what it costs anywhere else and the answer is because you can sue anyone for any reason and that's probably bad regardless of why the fact is the we still have internet caps in a lot of places many places have just one provider who gives you the crappiest service possible and that's just a challenge for streaming gaming the the other thing i think is kind of i guess maybe misguided here is the problem if you're a vp at google is you need to make an impact on the scale of adsense and search than youtube it might probably just wasn't worth it right these guys are careerists these are business guys they're not you know they're not like super into the tech side of things uh I, maybe we can take a flashback in time when i was a kid uh i got the sega channel and i don't are you familiar with this at all chris is it a, a channel no no i don't think i am this is an ancient a precursor to this game streaming stuff that was run over coax it was a partnership between uh sega of america and i think cox cable okay and it was literally this idea you put this thing in your genesis they ran a coax line and you could play a, a wide library of sega games because at the time sega would just pitch the publishers a little bit of money and they're like yeah sure we'll let you do this because nobody had it it worked fine because they were 16-bit games Wow, this is back in '94. I'd never even heard of this. Yeah, this was in the in the mid '90s. Things have changed quite a bit, right? And, and the reason I didn't have it for very long is because they canceled it. They canceled it, meaning Sega and and uh, whatever thing. I think it was Cox. It was Cox or Cablevision at the time. I can't remember. But this idea is one not new, and it always hits the same problem of the ISPs do not want to give you the bandwidth you need because they simply don't have to right and it's bandwidth ping performance all that stuff reliability a lot of folks down here are realizing after ian that oh it turns out if there's only one uh, isp in the neighborhood they're kind of not you know paying overtime and double timing it to get you back connected right right which is you know this is i'll put on my my little commie hat which my inner my inner elephant will die a little bit but if something is essential, it's not a product, it's a utility, right? This this is probably just a utility. And if you look at some other countries, the reason they don't have this set of problems is because they treat connectivity, in my mind, correctly as either a pure utility or a pseudo-utility. Yeah, we definitely seem like we've crossed that threshold. Yeah, oh, I mean, kids were going to school over the internet, right? That that should have been just like it. That's the line. It's over. There's this should not be a, a for profit or utilities are technically for profit, but you know a, a regulated, best service, minimal price industry. With that said, you solve the problem of it was never going to be big enough for the VP that ran this or whatever the guy's title is to actually care. Right? <laughs> if you're at Google and you want to advance, you need to be in you know AdSense, search, YouTube. Right. Maybe if you're lucky, you can use this to parlay your way into a more uh, influential position <laughs> right god it's horrible but you're probably right i think too on top of that so there's the aspect of just really poor internet connectivity in the states which is the primary market for this thing but additionally you have on the flip side maybe folks that are living in the cities or living where connectivity is is really quite good maybe they have gigabit things like that well then they're probably more in a position to buy a gaming console 
or to build a gaming PC, right? So then where you have perhaps really great connectivity, you kind of have this issue where they already have the gear they want. They've already bought their games on Steam or from Nintendo. And so they're not really the ideal customer either. So there's just this middle customer that is, I think, like what you're saying, a pretty small niche here. Well, also, from let's just assume you have the connectivity, like you're saying. Like I was a Stadia customer, but it never made sense. You you have to stream it plus buy the game. You could buy for two hundred and something dollars. I mean, three hundred bucks, whatever it is, an Xbox S, and then ten bucks a month you get Xbox Game Pass. Fifteen you get Game Pass Ultimate, and not only did it work better, that was it. You just it was like Netflix for gaming, right? Yeah, that I think was a killer too for Stadia was just having to pay. 60 bucks for a game for a service you knew inevitably was going to die. But now speaking to that, though, Google has kind of done the right thing here, and they've offered full refunds on the Stadia hardware if anybody bought the controller or the Chromecast Ultra and games they bought, which I did. Yeah, I'm happy. Yeah, I mean, I think that's why it's not a big controversy right now. It, it's also, well, you should have seen Twitter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> It's also quite the admission that, yeah, we were, we're just shooting this, you know, back of the shed. Yeah. Um, you have a link to On Live in here, and that's a name. That's a name, young Luke, I haven't heard. And I mean, I've wanted this for a long time. We've all wanted this. Yeah. I was an On Live user uh, back in like 2012 when they were, uh, you know, so I think it was like 2010, 2011, somewhere in there. They launched the beta, and I got in on that. Oh, man. And I even liked that. I, I have always wanted this as a Linux user who wants access to more games. I've wanted this because this seemed like a viable solution. And then when Stadia came along and they're like, we're going to stream you games, but you got to port your games to Linux and Vulkan. I thought, well, maybe the weight of Google and the popularity, if they integrate it with something like YouTube or if they could integrate it with some of their more popular products, it was one click link. And now you're in Stadia and you're gaming. You don't have to buy anything. That would have taken off like wildfire, I thought. But they didn't go that way. And they didn't inevitably convince very many developers to port their games to Linux or Vulkan. And then at the same time, Valve came along with Proton and an improved gaming experience on Linux and then the deck, and it just sort of made Stadia seem pointless. The only thing funny about it, Mike, is that even just two months ago, Stadia's Twitter account was assuring people that were tweeting them that they were, in fact, not shutting down. No worries there, they said. International corporations never lie. <laughs> yeah, I guess. They were so cocky when they launched it. Google just had the Dreamcast and the Sega Saturn and those consoles like on display at the Google campus as like, consoles are really dead now. They're never coming back after this. You won't believe what we're about to announce. And they had these glass displays of these failed consoles on their front lawn where they usually have the Android statues. In, in anticipation of the launch before they made their announcement. I, I, I just want to say, as, as a Sega fan, like lifelong Sega fan, if you're copying Sega's console business strategy, you're, you've made a horrible mistake. In fact, when they picked up that Dreamcast and that Saturn, they should have said, wait a minute, this seems bad. Why are we doing this? Because Dreamcast came out with this. Sega started this with the Sega channel on the Genesis. We're going to pretend the 32X doesn't exist because it, you know nobody bought it. It was me and two other guys. The Dreamcast was the first online gaming network. That was a console. It plugged into your 56K modem. It was a partnership with, um, I believe it was Epic's Internet or Earthlink. I can't remember, but somebody can fact check me. 
and it failed for basically the same reasons. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, Sega has been trying to do this since 94. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Trust me, I was there. I was working my teenage job to get a damn Dreamcast. I'm so sad right now. Never mind. <laughs> oh, it's too soon. So the Wall Street Journal, written by Christopher Mims over there, has a piece called The Next Battle Between Google and Apple is for the Soul of Your Car. And actually makes a pretty good case that this is heating up. Essentially, Tesla and some other mobile or car creators, they're basically mobile phone makers now, but other car creators have really upped their game on the infotainment. And so it is now the number one requested feature when customers go to buy a new car, if you can believe it, is Apple CarPlay or Google Android Auto Support. And the infotainment system is now the number one source of consumer complaints about new car issues is the crappy infotainment systems. And so you have this situation where the car manufacturers are feeling more and more pressure to let Google and Apple in to solve this problem for them. And of course, Google's solution involves Android Automotive, which is which is more extensive than Android Auto, same similar name, re- real similar name, very dumb. But Android Automotive is a full car OS that takes over everything. And Google has announced partnerships with a dozen automakers, uh, including Honda, BMW, Nissan, General Motors, uh, the Chevy brands. And Apple has announced a dozen launch partners for their next generation of CarPlay, which isn't a whole OS, but is an expanded version of CarPlay that likely depends that on car manufacturers meeting certain requirements. And those include Volvo, Ford, Honda, Mercedes, Porsche, and others. And um, we got a little tease of Apple's whole scheme at WWDC where they showed that CarPlay software taking over the entire instrument cluster from the over the entire dash with your gas gauge or your charge gauge and your RPMs and your speed. All of that gets taken over by CarPlay now, but they haven't yet announced a dedicated OS. And it would seem kind of out of character for Apple to actually license an OS. Yeah, that's just not really their style. It's more like the manufacturers will have to build to a spec and then Apple will sell them the OS. Yeah. Sit down, Kill Emilio. No one's asking you. Yeah. <laughs> this is like a whole new OS war that is brewing. And what scares me about it is that people making the decisions historically are horrible at software. They do suck. It's true. Where does this take us when you have companies that are building devices that can kill us, that are essential, and have a horrible history at software and UI, and now they have to try to bridge this gap. And in some cases, like Volvo and others, they're going to have their own OS as well. So you have VolvoCar.OS, which will be running Android Automotive in an emulator... (laughs) Right. <laughs> and so you and then you also have like the ECM and you have the other car computer modules that are also separate, but maybe has Volvo software on it that ties it together. Volvo OS that then like runs, I guess, an API set that Android Automotive can talk to. But the whole thing, like it sounds horrible. It sounds like it sounds like a massively complicated software stack in a car. And that sounds dangerous to me. And I'm wondering if you feel the same way, if you feel opposite, if you have any thoughts on this. I mean, I'm not sure that we need this, but, Mm. you know, I drive a Chevy. Let me tell you what happens. I look at the non-digital gauges and I'm very happy with that. 
um, I plug in my iPhone and it does the CarPlay thing on the you know the dash. I will tell you when I don't plug into my iPhone, whatever horrible operating system Chevrolet has or GM has put on that, it it's crap. Oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. It, like even things like tuning FM radio stations were easier on my old Chevy that did not have any of this crap. Right? That was just like it was knobs. Remember knobs? Knobs were great. Mm-hmm. We had a real world problem in in my house. Of I have so much Apple stuff that we're basically incentivized to always buy the Apple accessory for something or the Apple compatible accessory, right? The ecosystem. So is your car going to be one of these things now too, where it's like, well, I have an Apple watch and, and I have an iPhone and I could see like Apple's going into this car crash detection. Will it work better if you have an Apple OS powered car? I would, I would imagine so, right? Hmm. I hadn't even thought of the fact that safety features like that could be a thing. Yeah, you're right. What if I run a car that's running Android OS, but, you know, I just rent, which I used to do all the time before COVID, right? In a strange city, rent a car. Right now, the situation is most modernish cars that I rent, I can plug in my iPhone and I have my familiar interface, my maps, save destinations, all that. If I do that in a car running Android OS, is Google going to make a deal with the manufacturer to not allow CarPlay on that car? Right. To somehow block that screen? I I don't know. I, I feel like... If you wanted to innovate somewhere with vehicles, this is me. I, I, I see why they want to do it because it's more of like a luxury thing that they can charge for. But uh, how about full electrification? Right? I know that's hard, but life is hard. You can do it. And don't worry if you're GM, if you fail, the government will just like make let you do some weird, crazy bankruptcy that nobody else gets to do. <laughs> so there's that. Right. Of course. And if you're Ford, you'll realize that the government's going to punish you and you'll somehow not file bankruptcy, right? I'm just saying, I, I don't know. They have little downside risk. They can, uh, they can kind of afford to screw around with this a little bit. But I feel like their failure to do a good job here has created a market opportunity for Google and Apple. Well, it also is going to screw over local mechanics. But this is yet another thing totally proprietary, totally computerized. I was thinking about it, too, and... I don't know, maybe there's just no getting around this, but, uh, you know, I just got done putting Graphene OS on my Pixel as an effort to see what's the downside of moving away from Google services and trying to replace them with my own things like NextCloud and Graphene OS. And it'd just be kind of funny to kind of go through this multi-year process of de-Googling just to end up buying a car that forces me to use a Google OS. (laughs) (laughs) That would really suck. And I realize it's a very first world problem. But it's going to be a problem. Like, I'm going to, I'm actively trying to send this company less of my information. And then the auto manufacturer comes along and just sells me a $70,000 car or whatever with Google stuff built in. I just don't know about that. You're right. I like the idea that's on a removable, upgradable device. My phone gets upgraded very frequently. My car does not. And I've always preferred to have the computing in a little separate module. It doesn't need to be wireless. It doesn't need to be that fancy. I don't mind plugging it in to let it charge, to let it have fast connectivity. And then, like you said, all of my saved data that I want to use comes up on the screen. And that works just fine. I also think it's a little alarming as we just build in more and more layers of complexity that we're not really requiring these companies to, I don't know, prove that they can build these things first. (laughs) Like, they just ship it. (laughs) And my wife has a uh, 2013, I think, Ford Focus. And the sync software on the 2013 Ford Focus feels like alpha crap. It is 
busted by design. It is horrible. I've talked to other Focus owners. They hate it. And it got better in later years, but it took them years and years and years of iterating before it got very usable. And it's not like they issue updates to the old cars. So my wife's driving around with what is basically she was a beta tester for Microsoft Sync. Mm. And, you know, that car is it's a frustrating car because of Sync. It's such a silly thing to have like the motor works fine. Everything mechanically about the car is fine. But Sync drives us crazy every day. Yeah, I, I cannot tell you how desperate my Chevy is to get me to subscribe to OnStar. <laughs> right. Of course. Right? They're all, it's just bad. I mean, they're, they're all just horrible, horrible systems. And there's a reason everybody goes in and plugs in their iPhone or their Pixel or whatever. Let me flip it around on you, though. So what if this happens? Let's just take it down the road a bit, too. Uh, and we work, we work some of this out because, you know, like some automakers, they're not even they're opting to go their own route entirely. <sighs> like a few of them are going to be integrating the Amazon Echo stuff into the car, which that just sounds horrible. Great. I, I, I hate voice commands in the car so much. But let's just say we get down the road. This stuff gets sorted out and we land on a Google Apple future. In my opinion, Google loses this because ultimately this kind of product lives and dies on the consumer feedback and preferences. And if this sync system that's in my wife's car somehow like be- had become like some sort of standard that was on a dozen different car manufacturers systems, they would have suffered in sales. I mean, there's a reason why sync never took off. Microsoft tried this like they always do. Microsoft was early. They tried this. They tried to get other manufacturers to use sync. But the problem was is Ford's customers hate it and it hurt sales. It cost them money. So I think long term, this isn't going to work out for Google because they they can't even they can't even properly name the products. They have Android Auto and Android Automotive. As we've just described with Stadia, they can't stick with anything. And the reality is, is the car market's big, but it doesn't have the scale of the web, not even close. Only a small part of the market, especially these days, will be able to afford new cars that will have this tech built in. So it's always going to be a small niche product. And that spells doom for Google. Apple, I think it's a little bit more of the roll of the dice. Apple can live and survive in niche land because they design their profits and the way they organize their deals to make money that way. Juicy margins. Exactly. You got to you got to have them juicy margins, right? After all, it's, it's business. Business? No, and Apple, they'll do the thing they always do. All our stuff is great, but this is the good and that one's kind of, you know, whatever. Yeah. They'll leave the old plug in your iPhone and get crappy CarPlay or what, what is current CarPlay. And then they'll do the whatever car OS thing. And that'll be, are you buying a Mercedes, my friend? Right. That's, I mean, it's Apple. And also, if you're Mercedes, you have, or BMW, it's probably BMW, let's be honest. You probably want to partner with Apple because a lot of your values and your brand and your whatever, like lifestyle feeling. And, uh, you know, I, I'm at least in the U.S., I can't I don't can't speak for other regions, but it's pretty clear that Apple is the luxury brand here. Right? Totally. I that was absolutely well put. This the brand association. They'll you know, the car manufacturer wants to get a little bit of that shine because Apple's like in the top three brands of the world or something like that. So they're going to want that shine. They, you know, that's just how companies work. But I also think like we have the flip problem of 
It's one thing when Google is building products and services for the web and they shut that down. Okay, you know, that stinks, but it's a web service. We'll be fine. But what about your $60,000, $70,000 car when they just kind of give up on that? What are you going to, you can't reflash it. You can't put a new ROM on your car. You're just stuck with abandoned software. Okay, so don't, yeah. I mean, you, you've just made a very strong case to not buy a car powered by Android OS. So I do think there is a little bit of that brand factor, that, that the Stadia factor, where I think everybody, when Stadia was announced, the first thing everybody did was wait for Google to kill it. And they, I think that does affect them as a brand. I think it, because it, it impacts the way I view this effort too. Hmm. I mean, there's really no way for them to fix that, right? No, they've, they've, it's, they've done it. They've become known as the company who kills stuff. I mean, there's killed by Google.com. Right. And and to be fair, they're the company who their their standard for big enough for us to care to keep it alive is just stupidly high. Right. When you were the default search engine, the default advertising network for the entire internet, you're just in a different, you know, you're thinking on a galactic scale, not a not a county scale, right? God bless DuckDuckGo. Right? Who knows? I mean, <laughs> I accidentally used Bing this morning in Edge. I, I, it, it was terrible, right? So, and I, I don't know what to say. Yeah. Ask not what your podcast can boost for you, but what you can boost for your podcast. DPG boosts in with 2,000 sats. Pew, pew, pew. And uh, he says, I'm boosting in to say that my upgrade from an 11 Pro Max to a 14 Pro Max has been absolutely amazing. Waiting three years seems to be the sweet spot for iPhones. Good luck on the road trip, Chris. I hope to do a cross-country one someday and meet my wonderful internet friends out west. Oh, that would be amazing, DPG. 11 to 14 does seem like the sweet spot. That's got to be a great upgrade. That's a big jump. That's probably the strategy if I wasn't on the upgrade program. And that's kind of the cycle that my wife has been on. I think she's on an 11 right now. And I don't know if I'm going to get a 14 for her. I mean, that would be a decent Christmas present, but I definitely think she'll want the 15 just for battery life reasons and whatnot. I love that. You know, that's the thing about these uh, iPhones. <laughs> There's always people out there that are always going to be upgrading. So Apple might not see unbelievable numbers. I don't know if we've gotten any hints yet, but there's always customers. There's always going to be customers. They'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Uh, Dave Jones, the pod sage, boosted with 2011 12 sats. Pew! He writes, I'm boosting the intro. Because I have faith you guys are going to deliver. <laughs> boosting during the intro, Dave. He also double boosted in with another 2,112 sats. And he's calling me out. He says, barbecue in California blows. It's like ordering spaghetti and meatballs at Subway. Come down south and we'll get you guys taken care of. <laughs> I'd love to take you up on that, Dave. I would love that, Dave. I'm already down south. So. I know. What do you? Uh, what is the? Is there a big barbecue culture in Florida? Is there the pride about barbecue like there is in Texas? And the there, it, well, it's not quite like Texas. Yeah, yeah. It it's not quite like Texas. So so the trick about Florida is the more generally speaking, the more north you go in Florida, the more southern it is. Wait a minute. The more north you go, the more southern it is because you're getting closer to the southern states. Right, because a lot of like Southern Florida, like for instance, right. you go to Miami. That's like it's like Cuban food, which is awesome. Pie. Ooh, yeah. Oh. oh my God, Cuban food. This and like I thought I'd had a Cuban sandwich, and then I moved here, and I had never had one before until that day. I gotta come to Florida. I've been there for like two minutes, 
I got to get down there. It's see the problem with Florida too is it's weird, man. Like I'm just saying, it's, it's a lot of stuff going on down here, and there's a whole Disney area that gets real creepy. Like it's I, sounds like a party down there, except for the storms, you know. But it's otherwise, it just sounds like a hot mess of parties. Well, I you know I just got a flyer from DeSantis. It is now officially known as the free state of Florida, whatever the hell that means. <laughs> really? <laughs> Did they make an official like? proclamation <laughs> i just want to say this this is laminated like i don't know how rich his campaign is because he's running for governor again i have gotten lots of political crap never laminated though well, never like this like i'm a like, dude i kind of want to hang this up except i don't because i don't know what free state means because that sounds a lot like like chaz <laughs> doesn't sound good right it no. sounds like right it sounds like Sounds like we're going to need a SWAT team in here to just like yeah. clean it up, and we're all going to yeah. realize that what looked like a protest was really. Never mind. We're going to move yeah. on. From this. All right. Uh, yep. I know what you mean. Right John A. So boosts John A. In, yeah, with a uh, twenty-five hundred sats coming in hot with the boost. <laughs> says I'm considering upgrading my four thousand dollar MacBook Pro to a one thousand dollar Dev One. Thanks, guys. <laughs> you know, John, I think you can muddle through. I, I I know it's going to be tough, but it's a tough problem. It's rough, but somebody's got to do it. And why not both? I say, why not both? You know, true. Although with that said, I got my last Mac holdout to finally. I thought I had them a month ago, but to finally switch to Linux today. Oh yeah. Oh, because Xcode update broke his uh, his Unix binaries. That kind of stuff. That's what it takes, right? For for a dev stack. Yep. Mm-hmm. 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 that'll do it non-standard locations on <laughs> mac <laughs> pag dot boosts in with 1701 sats which is a star trek boost live long and prosper says thanks for all the great shows by never watching star trek i did a great sin and i have to ask for forgiveness to fix this going forward i'd like to know which season you recommend to start with would you recommend the old og one or a new one like strange new worlds I'm looking forward to your answer. Really enjoy the shows. Uh, thanks for a fellow Mibd from Office Hours. Oh, okay. Oh, I see. For, right. For inspiration for the boost amount for the Enterprise. Right, right. Mm, nice. Oh, God. I have to tell you, I literally live in fear of this question on a daily basis. I constantly think, what if somebody asked me where to start with Star Trek? And I, I obsess over this question because it's, it's probably one of the most important questions a person will ever ask you. I'm dying to know what you think because I don't think we're going to agree. I don't know. I think a couple of days ago, my answer would have been different. But while we were down in Pasadena for the JPL tour, we stayed at an Airbnb for a few days. And the most incredible thing happened. It was perfect. I, tur- I, I swear to God, I swear to God, this is what happened. I walk in. The first thing I did at the Airbnb is like, because you walk into the living room, I turned the TV on. It was a big TV. Star Trek The Next Generation comes up and it's Encounter at Farpoint episode one. And then it's like a 35-year anniversary thing, so it turns out they're playing every single episode in chronological order. And we showed up right as Encounter at Firepoint starts. We left the TV on the entire time we were there. We made it all the way into season four, Cupid, which is episode 94 in the production run. We made it all the way through, like, best of both worlds, you know, like the good stuff. And I have to say, man, Mm -hmm. Star Trek The Next Generation gets so damn good around season three and then just continues to deliver until the end of the series basically i can't believe this we're gonna agree i cannot believe this really is this what your recommendation was i could have sworn you were gonna say oh gee you have to do it in order i don't know i don't know i think you i think you got to learn to love star trek and then go back and watch the original series 
I feel like the problem that, uh, with OG Star Trek is it's great after you watch TNG, especially for more modern, particularly younger audiences. You know, even I think people in our age bracket, roughly, might find some of the stuff in that a little interesting. Yeah, I I think the first couple seasons of TNG are very much toss inspired. They're like the original series, and yeah, a lot of people don't like the first couple of seasons. Yeah, I mean, I I, I do think it's either OG or original series. The problem with uh, with uh, Strange New Worlds is you have to have seen the original series to really understand what the hell is going on. I feel like right because it's playing off the original series i think you get a lot richer experience you definitely get a richer experience i think you could watch it in isolation if the production and pacing of older star trek like the next generation i say older but you know it's from the 80s and and deep space nine if the pacing which i find to be perfect but if you find it a little slow i think strange new worlds would be like the my backup plan right start with the, the next generation and if it's just not sticking then I'd probably try Strange New Worlds because maybe you just like that style a little bit more. Then you start to build an appreciation for the universe and then you can kind of pick up the other ones. Ooh, but DS9, though. Ooh, yeah. wait a minute. I know, mm, I know. I think you could... See, I don't think you can do Discovery because it's too different from the other ones. Deep Space Nine holds up because it was it was early into that ongoing narrative storytelling. And so I think it, it holds up in binge-watching. I'd say it's TNG or DS9. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Let us know how it goes. And if you feel differently, if you've got a better suggestion, I've even thought about like breaking it down to a list of episodes that cross all the different Star Treks. So, you know, you uh, a couple of key moments from TNG, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Toss, you know, Enterprise, and you throw them all on the board and you make a big list. This is an important question. So boost in your answers if you've got a better one, because somebody will ask again and I want to do them right. Our last boost this week came in from uh, Nanobills. That's how I'm saying it. He boosted in with 50 sats. And he said, if you need to use flat-packed VS code to reach your whole system, you can use FlatSeal to allow that. And I wanted to mention that because we've brought up VS Code and Flatpak a couple of times on Linux and how it's limited to the file system. There is an app that you can install as a Flatpak called FlatSeal, one word, and that gives you a GUI to manage all of the permissions on your Flatpak apps on your Linux desktop. And you can go in there and say, I want to allow access to the file system. I want to allow access to the camera or, you know, whatever it might be. So check out FlatSeal. It makes all of that a lot simpler to manage. Thank you to Nantatubes, Bills, <laughs> for boosting that in. I'm sorry that I butchered your name. I'm not trying. I swear. <laughs> That's just how I am. And then also a couple of quick thankies. Uh, Mr. Quackers boosted in a row of ducks. Quacka waka, it's a treasure. Yippee! Sean of the Dev, 512 sats. I want to give him the shout out. And thank you, everybody else who's either streaming or sent some sats in that, uh, or sent a boost in that I didn't read on the show. We're just picking some of them to try to keep the segment a little tighter, but we do read all of them. If you'd like to boost us, go get a new podcast app, a new podcast apps.com. I have been rocking Podverse for about a month now. GPL, it's available on all platforms, including the web. And I know out there, Fountain is super popular as well. It's got a great clipping system. You can earn some sats while you listen. I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Mr. Dominic, is there anywhere you want to send the good people this week? Well, I'm going to try again. I didn't get it done last week, but I'd like to send you to Atumunuku on Twitter and DominicM.com. I should have something new up there soon. Ooh. Well, you do have the recent Thalia review up there, too. So I do. Get, I do. You did get that out. So give yourself some credit, you know. I liked the review. All right. Well, that's pretty much all I'll plug then. I think we could mention uh, we have the uh, contact form 
emails are a big part of the show, and they are down now because we've been on the road and we've read through our backlog. So go to coder.show slash contact and send in topic ideas, questions you have for us, corrections, suggestions, things that you think we'd like to talk about. Coder.show slash contact. All of that's over there. And coderqa.co is where you go to become a member of the show. You get the coderly report. Oh, it's a new coder. It's a new quarter for the quarter. Quarter, quarter. <laughs> I'll get it right one of these days. And uh, we'll be recording that fairly soon. I suppose once I get back, you and I can uh, get that scheduled. We'll get a quarterly out for our members. We do that once a quarter. Yeah, let's do it. And it's just a great way to support the show. You get an ad-free feed as a thank you as well. CoderQA.co or all the JB shows at Jupiter.party. The podcast here on the Twitters is at Coder Radio Show. And of course, everything we talked about today, links stuff like the rss feed links to our sponsors any of that kind of stuff coder.show slash 486 that's where you'll also find our rss feed and of course links to our matrix chat so you can join us and chat with us throughout the week doesn't just have to be on mondays when we're live over jupiter tube at 9 a.m pacific noon eastern but you're welcome to join us then as well we love having you join us live thanks so much for tuning in this week's episode of the coder radio program And we'll see you right back here next week.